This episode is brought to you by Skyline Smart Energy. It's a new year, which unfortunately means that your electric bill has increased. PG&E is now California's most expensive power provider, and they're already looking to increase rates again this year. If you're looking to save hundreds of dollars each year on your electric bill, then call Skyline Smart Energy today. By going solar with Skyline, you can lock in a consistent energy rate that is lower than what you're paying for now. You'll know exactly how much you'll be paying for for the next 25 years, and you'll no longer have to worry about seasonal rate changes. Plus, right now, Skyline is offering a free year of Brinks Home Security when you get solar installed today. Not only will you save each money next month, but you'll also be able to secure your family and your home. So do yourself a favor and call or text 209-573-0589. Again, that number is 209-573-0589 to get a free energy savings consultation. Start your path to energy independence today. Skyline Smart Energy. Take control over rising energy costs. All right, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of Uncle Dad Talks. I'm Uncle Dad, and with me, as always, is the ever so handsome, the raging Cajun himself, Mike Hammond. <laughs> Raise your own case in the house, indeed, yes. Indeed, indeed. Mike, it's exciting because this is now your second week in a row where I'm giving you the keys and you're taking us for a ride. How do you feel about that? Do you feel like you graduated? I feel like my driving skills are, they're getting better, you know? I'm learning, yeah. I'm learning. You I'm learning how to, how, to, how to make turns and, and drive the speed limit. What do you think? <laughs> would you agree or would you not agree? I think you gotta, you know, go a little faster. You know what I mean? Yeah, okay. <laughs> you gotta give the need for speed, you know? <laughs> uh, but <laughs> today's guest is a very special one, and I'll let you introduce them. But Mike, I know that we are kind of celebrating all things NOLA this month. So very excited to also have this guest on as well. Mike, without further ado, catch them keys because I'm giving them to you now. Go mm-hmm. ahead and introduce our very lovely guest. Yeah, well, very excited for this guest. Yes, in, in celebration of Carnival and Mardi Gras this month in, in New Orleans and Louisiana, we have the, the bass drummer and one of the founding members of the Grammy Award winning and award show performing, as well as another Grammy nomination in 2019, Rebirth Brass Band co-founding member, Keith Fraser. Keith, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah. So who holds on to the Grammy award? Like, is that, you know, because I hear a lot of times people win a Grammy, they, they, they downplay it and they say, oh, it's in the bathroom on top of the, on top of the <laughs> toilet shelf. Who has the Grammy and where is this Grammy? Well, actually, so the way it goes, if you have less than nine members, I'm, I'm not sure if the rules are still the same. Everyone in the band will get a Grammy. And since hmm. we had eight band members, we all receive a trophy. So everyone has their individual trophies. I'm not certain where they put them at. My trophy is actually sitting right here in my living room. A lot of times when people come in the house, they ask me, is that real? I'm like, yeah, like, what? <laughs> they don't want to take a picture with it. And, you know, so I say, hey, pick it up, take a picture, you know. And, and yes. they don't want to find out, well, what do you do? You know, because I live in Texas now. So people here don't know who the hell I am. They're like, who are you? Like, just a regular guy, man, playing the band. Uh huh. Yeah. And then they see that and they're like, wait a minute, what kind of exactly. band? <laughs> exactly. So yes. you have to explain to them. What New Orleans is all about, Brasslands and that kind of stuff. And they, they're pretty receptive hmm. to it. Okay, interesting. Yeah, I didn't realize you didn't live in uh, in New Orleans anymore. So mm-hmm. I'm gonna get to I'm gonna get to more of that later. Mm-hmm. But you guys also um, Rebirth 
just celebrated 35 years recently, right? Uh, like a 35 year anniversary of, of a band. So exactly. are you one, is that one of the long, that has to be one of the longest running brass bands in New Orleans, right? Well, actually the band has been around 40 years. I started in the band when I was 14 or 55 now. So, and it went Ooh. about, it went really fast. It doesn't seem like 40 years at all. And uh, we try to celebrate as much as we possibly can every year. Whenever you know we reach that milestone, like hey, we've been around for because the average lifespan of a life of a band is five years. So after mm. five years, bands normally break up. So we've been in forty years, so we're kind of blessed. Yeah. That. And, and the other bands are the ones that have been around just as long as longer. Not necessarily brass bands. Got the Nevilles, Irma Thomas band, a lot of different bands that have been together for a very long time. Yeah, Preservation Hall. You know, different. Preservation Hall. Yeah. 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 Um, so, yeah, so you started, what was it, if I'm, correct me if I'm wrong, in uh, 1983 with your brother Phil, right? Right, so in 1983, my brother Phil and myself, Carmen Ruffins, and some other guys, we went high school just messing around and went out the quarters to play for some tips, and here we are 40 years later. Did, were you guys like, yeah, and Kermit Ruffins, legendary trumpet player, which is amazing that, you know, you guys were the, the nucleus of, of starting the band. Were you guys like in, the, mm -hmm. in band class together? Like, how does right, it come we were to be? All in, we were all in high school marching band together. And my brother Philip was asked to put a group of guys together to go play at the Sheraton Hotel in downtown New Orleans. And at the time, I was still in junior high school. And uh, they went down to play at the Sheraton. They said, hey, we can't let you guys play because they're serving alcohol. So my brother Philip said, hey, man, I have a great idea. Let's go on Bourbon Street and play for tips since we, we hit it back home anyway. Let's make a couple of dollars, and everyone in the band kind of liked the idea of playing for tips. Carmen wasn't in the band at the time, and uh, they said, hey, man, we could do this throughout the course of the summer. Instead of working some summer job, we could come out here and play for tips, and that's pretty much how I got started. That was the start, huh? Playing, just playing on bourbon. and uh, playing on bourbon for tips, that's it. Yeah, with all the, with all the tourists. And I, I mean, I'm sure bourbon was a, was a, whole, was a whole different scene whole different back then. Whole different scene because at, at the time we started there were a lot of jazz clubs on bourbon like the famous door a couple other clubs on bourbon i can't rem remember exact exact names but they were they were probably like five or six different jazz clubs with actual actual live bands playing in those clubs now bourbon is mostly daiquiri shops beer yeah. you know beer holes there's B no really it, it almost feels like when i go to new orleans and i you know i walk down bourbon i don't go to bourbon, but I'll walk down mm -hmm. there and uh, it almost feels like I'm in Tijuana now when I'm there. It, it just, yeah. you know, like to get Similar. the people blowing the whistles with the, with the, the drink and the little syringe and they're trying to shove it in your mouth and you know, that all kind the of bands stuff. are, yeah, it's just different yeah. scene. But, different um, scene. so, so are you and your brother, are you, you and Phil, are you guys like best friends? Like you guys always hanging out back then at this point or, or was the band kind of what brought you guys close? Well, because my brother Philip was a couple of years older than myself, he was in high school. I was in junior high school. And when he actually put everything together, I was just on the sideline kind of watching. I thought those guys were crazy. They're like, you're going to do what? And I was actually like, he said, we're going to play in the French Quarter. Would you like to be the Grand Marshal? There's a video. Of, actually, I have a video of myself dancing in front of the band. I'm out dancing, having a good time. I'm collecting the tips, passing the hat. And just so happened, the guy who was playing the bass drum that summer he had to work one of those summer jobs. So they had to go play in this housing project in New Orleans and say, hey, man, get the drum. I'm like, what? He said, you get the drum, you're going to play the bass drum. And here I am 40 years later. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just, just, just threw you kind of threw you right in there. Just yeah, threw I tried me in playing. There, yeah. 
I tried playing the harmonica when I was a kid and that my dad got me and I, it was just hor- it was horrible. There's no, I'm glad there's no video of me <laughs> <laughs> playing anything. It's all an instrument yeah. to play though. The harmonica, yeah, harmonica, yeah, it's all to do. We need yeah. to bring that back. <laughs> <laughs> that's, how we'll, that's how we'll start opening the show. I'll do a harmonica, harmonica a duo. So, Good idea. Oh, there yeah. you go. <laughs> <laughs> Does Rebirth need a harmonicist? Is that, is that uh, harmonicist? We don't need a harmonica or harmonicus. Neither do we need a guitar player. <laughs> okay. Right. <laughs> None. Man, I uh so I'm so I'm reading about the band, you know, doing some research mm-hmm. on you guys. And one of the things I love, you know, you mentioned Kermit was was the different people that have come through the band. And, mm-hmm. and one of them is what your former your former trombone, no, trombone player. Glenn, mm-hmm. Glenn David Andrews, right? Am I saying that his name right? Yeah, his right. or no? Was it he? He is now he's cousins with Glenn, who is now your your trumpet or your player, right? Glenn David, Glenn, Glenn David player. Andrews and Clint Glenn Hall are actually cousins. Got to keep so there are a lot of the families. Glenn. There are a lot of Glens in New Orleans, and a lot of family people who've come in and out of the band. So it's kind of hard to keep track of who's who and when they played and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's hard for me to keep track, even with my notes. And and uh, yeah. and uh, and they're also cousins. Is this right with uh, Trombone Shorty, who also was in Rebirth at some point? Right, Trombone Shorty. He wasn't actually in the band, but one of the shows that he played at was just my brother just hired him to come play a show with us out of San Francisco. He was kind of discovered by the Rosebud Agency because he was actually playing on stage with us. We needed somebody to play trombone. He said, "Hey man, I'll call Trombone Shorty. Like, you want to make a gig? Like." Yeah, why not? You came out to the game. Yeah, that's one of the beautiful things about about New Orleans jazz, right? Is that people can just kind of hop in and hop out and, and jam with right. you guys. Yeah, exactly. And then, and then I read that your brother Phil at one point was stepfather to Soldier Slim. Is that true too? Right, my brother Phil was step was was Soldier Slim stepfather. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Rest in peace. Rest in peace, Soldier Slim. And, right. Uh, I, you know, I know towards the, the later part of his career, he was signed with No Limit. And man, I was such a No Limit soldier when I was a teenager. Okay. <laughs> I like, I would tear the, the, the source ads out of the source magazine and like pin them up on my walls. And okay. did you ever have any like connections with, with Master P being such like a big part of New Orleans music? Like, like, I know well, it's a actually, different genre. Uh, but. We had a connection with him because uh, Master P's family was living in a housing project called the Magnolia housing project and it would get us to come play parties on the weekend and we knew one of his brothers really well one of his brothers who unfortunately was shot and killed we knew him really well he would hire us all the time to come play parties in the housing project and we didn't know if master p was his brother he's like yeah you know percy miller's my brother we was like what he was like, yeah was that was that kevin miller no it's, it's, master p has a brother named randall okay. i think he was a little older than master p and he would hire us all the time That's just to fun. play parties so. yeah Kind of strange. That's cool. That that's yeah. That's there's so many different connections with 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 bands and family and and I and I love that. Right. Are you are so like and you also had another guy in your band who I also love his stuff and it's Shamar Allen, who was mm-hmm. was he and he was part of Rebirth or was it kind of a similar right. thing? Sh- Shamar was no Shamar was in the band. He was actually in the band for like four or five years. He branched off and started doing his own solo thing. And- We've had a lot of different people come to the band in, in 40 years. Yeah. I mean, I would imagine that amount of time you would have a lot of different people, right? 
Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, we, we talked to Eric who is now playing uh, trumpet right. with you guys. And we had him on the show <clears throat> last week and I was hyping up how much I love hit the Sean Payton that Shamar did that song mm-hmm. for the saints. So okay. good. So good. Yes. Yeah. So are you, are you like, are you bummed out or does it, when it, when guys like that leave the band and they're successful, are you like, Hey, we want you here in rebirth. Like we don't want you going out. Like we want you. No, here. not at, not at, not at all. I'm always advocating and promoting that guys, you know, do your own thing, you know, try, try your hand at it for yourself. If I could help you for your career, I'll do as much as I possibly can because it's a good look for the band. Like, oh yeah, I was one time I was playing with Rebirth. They're like, what? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. So it's not a bad thing. I think it's actually a good thing. Because he went on to play with um, with the Willie Nelson band, right? Is right. That... Shamar did a, did a, a, a two year thing with Willie Nelson that's and cool. some other people. So that's cool. You know, a lot of guys who've left our band have done some really big things. So and and they they always tell me like, yeah, I was playing Rebirth one time. I'm like, what? Like, yeah. So do you like you kind of being like the you know one of the OGs of the band? Do you help coach them like like how to do things, or do you just kind of let people um, figure it out? I tr- I kind of lead by example. But if they ask me, I'll tell them like, hey, listen, man, if you're trying to make a million dollars, you better try to make five. Try to make five because it's gonna take you four millions to make that one to get down to that one million. And I was telling them it's a lot of work. You know, I'm gonna make it look easy. Yeah, I was giving you know tidbits here and there, giving them advice. I like look, don't drive in the car with me for for three hours and don't ask me any questions. You know, because experience is our greatest teacher, and it, I'm, I may actually know something that you don't know. So, mm-hmm. and we'll just kick it around, and they always come back and say, "Hey, man, you know what? What time you told me about?" Like, yeah, that's what I was talking about. Okay. So, yeah. No advice. No advice. Like the advice from the guy who's actually been through it for forty years. All right. Um, so, do you? So you're in Texas. Do you? Mm-hmm. Do you play with the band still much, or are you just kind of more on the back and the, behind the Playing. scenes now? Playing with the band all the time. I'm not there every Tuesday night. You know, there's a new place that we're playing called the Rabbit Hole because we're not no longer playing the Maple Leaf. We played the Maple Leaf for almost almost 30 years. And after well, COVID kicked in, they decided that they wanted to do something different. We're like, okay, no problem. And so we just moved our business over to another location. But I'm not there every Tuesday. I might make one Tuesday out of a month, but when the band is on the road, I'm there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a there's a, a real fun quote from Obama that. You know, he he said at the end of his presidency when he was speaking in New Orleans that he may finally get to catch rebirth at the Maple Leaf at on a Maple Tuesday. Leaf, yeah, what an he's honor that is! He's just going to come to the rabbit hole, you know. Let's see this, but yeah, yeah, that was an honor for him to say that. When when that, when he said it, everyone was calling him like, "Hey, man, President Obama mentioned you guys' name." I'm like, "Well, he should with rebirth. Why wouldn't he?" <laughs> yeah, but but. But did he, you never, he never like reached out to you. You never got to meet him or anything. You... Well, actually, we, we ended up playing at the White House. So we actually met him, him and his wife, Michelle. And I was telling a story and people were like, what? I said, we met, pre- meeting President Obama was great, but meeting Michelle Obama was better. Mm-hmm. Michelle Obama was so beautiful, she hurt your eyes. Yeah. Yeah. She so, was what, so not only was she beautiful, you know, outwardly, her personality, the way she is. She 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 said before I leave out the room, I'm gonna we were playing for the jazz thing that they do at the White House. She's I'm gonna shake everyone's hand. It was like Miss Miss uh Miss Obama, we need to leave. She said I'm not leaving until I shake everyone's hand. She she shook everybody's hand. She had a brief conversation with her. She was so nice. It was unbelievable. Wow, that's cool. What that's it's really amazing when when you're in the presence of someone who has that kind of persona about them. Yeah, you know? especially someone in such a a place, you know, of 
such a high that office. High up. Yeah, yeah, for I real. I was surprised they even invited us to that. Like, you want to invite Rebirth to the White House? Yeah. I'm like, wow. Oh, my goodness. So it was an honor for us to actually play the White House for sitting president. Like, okay, so that's one of the biggest things we've ever done in our career was play for president at the White House. Like, how high can you get? Yeah, that's it. I mean, so are you nervous for a gig like that? Or is it just like, are you just business as usual uh, at this point? For the most part, it was business as usual until the president walked into the room. When he walked in the room, you like, like <laughs> whoa, you know, because you never think you're going to meet the president. You're like, the president of the United States? Like, really? So, yeah. and when they walked in, you try to, you know, make sure that everything, you dot your I's and cross your T's and be correct. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and you guys get to do like a tour of the White House and all that stuff while you're there? No, we didn't tour the White House, but uh, we had a chance, the room that we were in, it's a funny story. I give exactly what rock artist it was, but there's some food out for him, right? And we walk in there, we eat the food, and the guy comes and says, Hey, don't worry about it, man. It's the White House. There's plenty more where that came from. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, all, yeah. all the big names in rock and roll, jazz, they were there. El Jaro, anybody to think of was at that particular jazz function. I was like, Aretha Franklin was there. She performed right before we went on. I was like, Wow, man, this is, this is really a great honor right here yeah well i mean you guys are it's you guys are part of that honor i mean you know like yeah i mean you know for prom obama to mention you i mean you know already and tuesdays usually suck right like tuesdays are usually like it's mon you already went through monday mondays suck wednesday is not even tuesday. Win right, tuesdays so is just whatever day it's like not even wednesday it's not even hump day yet so so you guys yeah. made made tuesday like a day Right. We made Tuesday a day, and the way we got that particular gig at the Maple Leaf, one of our former managers, agent, he said, hey, man, the guy I was playing before us was um, not James Black, was another great New Orleans musician. He had passed away. He said, they're looking for someone on Tuesday. So he said, would you guys consider doing a gig? I'm like, yeah, why not? So we went in there, and I mean, you could throw a brick in there and not hit anything. It was empty. <laughs> we probably made $20, not $20 per person, $20. Mm. And so... Brother Philip looked at me and said, hey, man, you know what? What I think we should do is let's just stay with it. We have nothing else to do on Tuesdays. And 30 years later, it was probably one of our biggest standing gigs in the city of New Orleans to just play Tuesday nights. Just a packed house every Tuesday? Every Tuesday. Okay. And so, yeah, I guess, you know, COVID changed a lot of things. And so that's kind of what prompted yeah. you guys to end up going to rabbit hole. Yeah. So COVID kind of changed that. And the guy, the new guy came in. He wanted to, he wanted to change the deal. You know, we understood like, Everyone was losing money. He's like, we're losing money. You're like, well, we can't lose money too. We've been losing money too. So he said, I need a cheaper band. And that wasn't us. So like, well, it's not mm -hmm. us. So we kind of moved on. Yeah. And so the rabbit hole, is that like a, is that more of a newer establishment? Like, do you know much about Rab the history of that? It's a newer establishment. The guy who runs the place, he's been, you know, working with brass bands around the city of New Orleans for years. And he saw an opportunity like, hey, man, I know you guys in Maple Leaf. Why don't you come over here? He made us a really good offer that nobody was making at the time because, you know, all venues was losing money. It was kind of a no-brain. He's like, let's just see what happens. Try it for a year. After one year, it got better. And right now, it's it's really picking up. I mean, the, the way it's set up, it's not just about Rebirth on Tuesday. It's like a marketplace where they sell clothing and different types of goods. Here's a DJ before we play. Here's a outside a patio that's really nice. It's, it's, it's really cool. And so I'm like, yeah, hey, maybe just the way to go. And I, I've seen, I've seen you guys a couple of times there and it gets, 
funky and swinging and rocking. Like it yeah. gets packed and it gets hot and sweaty. And yeah, and then, yeah they Definitely. have this huge outdoor area out back where you can go and just kind of little have little nooks and spots where you can chill. And it's a real fun, right. real fun spot. It's a fun spot. So it's something new. And, you know, I'm, I'm always looking forward to playing it because it's just a new vibe and kind of gives you some creativity based on the newness of the place. Yeah. Ain't no party like a rebirth party, right? Is that is that kind of like a rebirth party? Is that uh, you guys playing on Tuesdays? Is that in, in, in at the at the Maple Leaf at a packed house? Is that kind of where the the origin of that song comes from for you guys? Yeah, pretty much, you know, because um, those Tuesdays were legendary. I mean, a lot of things that happened outside of just playing. We actually recorded an album at the Maple Leaf. All, all kinds of stuff happened from A to Z. Some things Anything you can take though. <laughs> Some things you can't talk about. You're like, wow, did that really happen? Like, yeah. So, it's just legendary. Man. What about the, okay, so let me ask you now a couple other songs. Uh, one of your favorite, my favorite songs that y'all play is AP Turo. Turo? Turo. AP Turo, yeah. What's the story behind that song? Well, actually, that wasn't one of our songs. We kind of borrowed that song from the Newbird Brass Band, a, a band that my younger brother, Kerwin James, who, who is now, who's now deceased. They were playing a song. We heard it. And we always say, man, amateur imitates, but professional still. We heard it like, that's a great song. It was actually a song that my brother Kerwin James and Trombone Shorty worked together on. And he said, hey, man, we got this good song. We listened to it a couple of times. And after we listened to it a few times, we said, you know what? That's a really good song. Let us, let's try that. And we kind of put our twist on it. And it kind of took off. And people yeah. would always say, hey, man, it played me too, road. And people don't even know that, hey, that's not our song. They're like, what? Like, no, not at all. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know. I didn't even know, speaking of songs, and Uncle Dad had to school me on this one. I didn't even realize Casanova wasn't your song, right? That's another one. People <laughs> think Casanova is our song. And so yes. I have to tell people, listen, no, that's Gerald Levert and a group called Levert. And you're like, what? I said, we yeah. borrowed that. And it just so happened we were playing this one spot on Thursday night. And the guys came up with these lyrics that are very provocative. Uh, and it kind of, we started playing it and it kind of stuck and people, we played it so much. People were like, play that reverb cast. And they were like, it's not our song. You know, we don't want to take, and we did it so well that the guys from Levert, they was like, y'all did it so well, man. We just have to give y'all credit for doing a, a great job with it. Mm. I'm like, wow, cool. That's your song now. <laughs> exactly. Like, it's your song now. I'm like, okay. But yeah, it's right. a great song. Right, Uncle Dad, you like that song, yeah. Yeah, so I'm a huge, I'm a huge R&B guy, and I love okay. Levert. Levert, in my opinion, it was one of the greatest R&B bands ever. Yeah, definitely. Um, and that song, when I had heard that song, because the first time I got to see you guys mm-hmm. live was probably a couple of years ago with Mike, and that song came on. And in my mind, I'm like, whoa, this is awesome. This is a, a take on uh, Levert. And he goes, what? What do you mean, Levert? <laughs> I was like, yeah, this is good stuff. That's <laughs> Levert, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So... Well, you guys—that's that version. In my opinion, it's a, it's, a, it's even though I love the original. I mean, who doesn't, right? But the your version is just a lot of fun. You know, yeah, it's, it's, just like, it's kind of the epitome of New Orleans. Yeah, you know, totally. it's, it's kind of fun. Take your drawers off, have a good mm-hmm. time. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I that happens there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Especially doing Mardi Gras, a lot of drawers huh. be taken off. <laughs> yeah. What about that? Speaking of that, like, like, so do what you want to, I feel like is kind of like a, an adopted phrase of New Orleans at this point, right? Like, how does that song right. come to be? Well, do what you want to. Kermit came up with this, this song, a, a piece of, of song. He's like, hey, man, let's try this right here. And my brother Phil chimed in with the bass line part. 
Then this guy by the name of Reginald Stewart, they were playing at the, this, this family that we would always go over to the house and kind of practice. And he got into an argument. He was our saxophone player at the time. So he came up with this horn pop, 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 And it kind of stuck. And as we continued to put it together, everything just kind of came together. It's like a gumbo. Everyone started throwing bits and pieces into the pot. Ten years later, it was a full-blown song, and and it just kind of took off. This guy, the radio guy, who was working on a at, at an R and B station, he would play it at the end of the night or the beginning of the night, and he would put the, do which one up against other R and B songs and hip hop songs, and we would win the contest every week. He like this week it's gonna be uh, reverse do which one against the latest hip hop song, and we would win every week, and it kind of blew up. And people were like, man, do what you want, do what you want. And it kind of kind of tipped in hip-hop clubs in New Orleans. And people would just always request that song. And it just, just grew a life of its own. Yeah, well, that that riff that it starts off with, it, like, to me, that's just, it, it. it's like the epitome of New Orleans, like that that sound, you know? Yeah. You know, and, and also, that's kind of what you do when you're in New Orleans is, Right? Do what you want. Yeah. You do what you want. And then I'm going to get more to this in a little bit, but they even use that phrase in the in the show Treme, which I love that show, and and I know you guys were a part mm-hmm. of it. But you know, also, you know, you may, we've been talking about about Phil, and I I got to meet him at a show that you guys were doing in Oakland. And yeah. Then, uh, but he had so he had a stroke and couldn't play with right. the band. Like like so, how difficult was that for you? you know, being his brother and like, you guys created this. It was extremely difficult because actually Philip was kind of like the the heart of the band. When people think of Rebirth, they think of my brother Phil. I always tell people like, they're not thinking about me. They don't even see me half the time. So I'm like, what? Shorty's not here. F and move on. Let's go, whatever. But he's actually on one of the Jazz Fest posters because he he, he pretty much started the band and he picked all the guys in the beginning who he wanted to be in the band. And when he had a stroke, he was like, man, what's going to happen? I'm like, I don't know. We're going to carry on or what? He was like, hey, man, I'm not here. Just carry on. Do what you got to do. But, you know, he, we, he'll, he'll come out every now and then, support the band, give us two cents on what, what's going on. But he kind of standing on the side like, no, that's, actually, it's a different band. It's a new day. I'm going to see what the other guys have. But, yeah, that was a big blow for us. But we kind of carried on. And here we are. Yeah, and does he help like pick or find the next guy to play the two? Because he played the tuba. Actually, he actually picks all the guys. He picks them all. You know, yeah. Every I always tell people like it's not me. I'm like there's nothing wrong with his ear, so he can hear. Like I think mm-hmm. this guy would be a good guy to put in a band. I'm like, okay, you think so? I, and I just kind of stand on the side like that's the guy you want. That's the guy it is. And so we, we just do it that way. Yeah, I mean that's great that he still has such a you know a prominent role you know, going through, going through a stroke. Cause some people, right. You know, they go through a stroke and that's it. Like they're not, they're not doing anything. Yeah. You know, you know he had the stroke, then he had COVID and I'm like, man, you walking through this stuff like, it, like, like it ain't nothing. You know, if, if I have a stroke and I have COVID, that's going to be it for me. Like I ain't doing oof. nothing. They're trying to yeah. get myself together. Yeah. Well, I mean, good, good for him that he's, he's, uh, he's still part of it, man. And, uh, yeah, I got to meet him. Super nice guy. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. So, Okay, so 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 you know you mentioned the Jazz Fest poster. So you guys play at Jazz Fest. You're kind of like regulars, mainstays there now, right? It's kind of like you yeah, know we we play every year. Uh, this year we're playing April 28th at the uh, Congo Square stage, probably at three o'clock, three or four o'clock, something like that. So we, we so, play every year. You know. And you play? 
in that when yeah, you guys play. I'll, right? I'll be yeah. there for that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And uh, so what's that like? You know, you're playing, you know, Jazz Fest is one of the biggest music festivals in in the U.S., you know, and what's it like playing it on such a high level event with such, you know, such a crowd, you know, in, in New Orleans? Like, what's that feeling like for you? Uh, when we play Jazz Fest, it's a lot of energy. Like, you know, when we play, people already know what's, what it's about. You know, it's, we play, you dance, you have a good time. There's no pretense or anything like that. Like, we're trying to fool somebody or something like that. Like, no, man, y'all already know what it's going to be a, for an hour and a half or whatever the time frame is. It's about having a good time. Every, everyone's partying. And we, we might try some new songs, but for the most part, people come there like Casanova, feel like phoning it up, do what you want. Yeah. That's what they want. Too. Yeah. At some point, we give it to them. But it's, yeah. it's a lot of fun. Hey, what what's it like, you know, when you guys, I know a lot of, sometimes when you're on stage, there's just, there's a lot of, correct me if I'm wrong, right? Is there a lot of improv going on in between the jams? Because you guys, pretty much once you start, you don't really stop until the end of the show. Like you just keep, yeah, like one song there's a lot of the imp- There's a lot of improv. A lot of times there's a lot of mistakes that we imp- improvise on top of. There's no set. And that's what, it's easy, but it's also hard because when it's time to record, because we're improving so much, we may have forgotten what we did a month ago. And like, at that point, it's something brand new. And so people like, our producer's like, can we capture that on CD? Like, we don't really know. We're going to see what happens when we get in the studio. It all depends on what the spirit is like when you're in the recording studio. So there's a lot of improv all the time. And the yeah. only part, there's no really, there's no set part. And the beauty of Rebirth is, is do what you want. As yeah. long as everybody's having a good time. Try to play the right notes, but the most fun, it's going to be improvised. It's, it's, it's fun to watch. And Uncle Dad, I don't know if you remember this, but like, sometimes you can, if you pay attention to the, to you guys actually playing, you can see where someone might have messed up or someone's doing something a little off mm-hmm. and you guys are laughing at each other. And exactly. you guys are having a, seem like you're having a blast up there. We're having a, we're having a party. It's a, yeah. the 90 minutes. I always say, man, if you're not having a good time, if people see that you're not having a good time, they're not going to have a good time. So, have a good time. There's no right way or wrong way. There's no music police that's going to arrest you at the end of the night. So have a good time. Yeah. We, Uncle Dad and I saw you guys um, <clears throat> play at, at Tip Tipitina's one okay. time. And uh, is that one of your favorite places to play? I would assume you love playing uh, there. Tipitina's, Holland Wolf, House of Blues, almost any any place that people will come and watch us. And if it's, if it's in somebody's bathroom. <laughs> you know, from the I tell everybody, rebirth is from the cradle to the grave and everything in between. If yeah. it's if, if there's a room big enough for us to fit in, we're there. You'll do it. I want to go. What's, I want to go to that show, the bathroom show. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta have great acoustics in the in the bathroom, right? Yeah. <laughs> the smaller room is actually acoustics can get really good because everybody's so close to each other. You, you probably need to have to mic it up so it sounds really good. Yeah, yeah. So, so you know, those are all you know iconic new orleans venues you know especially for people from out of town so what 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 made you you know i was always wondering like could you see yourself living in anywhere besides new orleans because you're you're like so much of what new orleans is and what what made you move to texas was it like a katrina thing where you moved away and then just stayed or or how that yeah i ended up in texas after katrina you know i got here you know at, at my age i was like you know what i think i'm done with all the red tape and all the whatever's going on in louisiana it was just just new orleans but you know, it's, Louisiana's is backwards. You know, I'm like you know what? I can't take it anymore. I just to get to the airport to make the gigs. I still, I still love it, but 
There's a lot of stuff that go on. You're like, man, if we could just fix this. If we could just fix the drainage system. How about the school system? And you look at it, you're like, I don't think ever it's going to get fixed. And you have to make a decision. You're like, okay, what should I do? And I had, at the time, my daughter was five years old when Katrina hit. And I had to decide, like, am I going to put her back in that system or let her stay here and be properly educated? And I chose, hey, I'll stay here, let her be properly educated. I just need to get to airport and here I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, in your neighbors, it's not like you moved to far away to... You're still really no, close. I mean, You're not I can, in Sacramento. I can drive. No, I'm not in Sacramento. <laughs> <laughs> no. no. Strange thing is, my wife is, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so you can go You can go there and catch a, a Kings Pels game, right? Right, go catch a Kings Pels game, or I could just go hang out, you know, by my mother-in-law or something like that. But, yeah, yeah I'm not in Sacramento. <laughs> but, you know, I like Sacramento, though. I like, there's something about it that I like. I don't know what it is, you know. Yeah, yeah, me neither. yeah, yeah. I, I lived there for many years and I don't know what it is either, but there's something I like about it. Yeah, you know, I'll go um, anytime if I get a chance to. Go. Yeah, I mean, you could find find something good about most places, right? Most places, yeah. You could find you ever, something good. Have you guys ever played in Stockton, California? We've never played in Stockton, California. I, I'm always wondering, what's in Stockton? I'm like, what's Uncle, in Stockton? Uncle Dad will tell you. That's right. That's my neighborhood. And let me tell you, it's... So uh, you're, you're from Stockton. Yeah, yeah. I, I'll just tell you, man, it's, it's, it's a different beast out there. <laughs> well, I, I plan to, you know, hopefully get down there one day and check it out. I, I passed through there, and as I passed through, I'm like, man, what the hell is going on here? Yeah. <laughs> hey, I ask myself that all the time. <laughs> it's, I mean, is there a major venue that people go to? Like, yeah, this is venue right here. I mean, there's the Stockton Arena, but like, if you wanted to say like a like a legend, oh, I guess the Bob Hope Theater. Yeah, I would say that Bob Hope Theater. Okay, yeah, uh, okay, that's a legendary theater. I would say that's been around since okay. you know. Is Bob Hope from Stockton? No, <laughs> I don't even know why. Theater, <laughs> unless you know why, Mike. I think he took a shit there once. What? I guess you got okay, that idea. <laughs> that would do it, huh? Yeah, yeah, that's all you need in Stockton to get something named after you. <laughs> Oh, so, oh. Keith, you got to come do that, and then what, what will happen is we'll get you a Keith Frazier Theater. Yes. <laughs> okay. Is there like a festival in Stockton that they do like music wise or no? Oh they, yeah, there, like, <laughs> there's the Asparagus. There, Asparagus. They festival. moved it though. They moved the Asparagus oh, Festival okay. out of there. They, yeah, you know what the Asparagus not, Festival. Not anymore. They, though, had, so. they had an <laughs> Asparagus Festival. That was their one thing, and I went one time. And it was terrifying. And Stockton's <laughs> terrifying. Yes. Yeah, Stockton's sure. terrifying? What do you mean? You mean in terms of crime or what? I would say yeah. crime, yeah. Crime. It's, crime? Uh, is it real? Because yes. people say that. I'm like, it can't be worse than New Orleans. We, we're, the, we're the capital of crime. Right. Sometimes, man. Sometimes it can be pretty bad. It can be we're worse than New Orleans? I would say I so. Wow. I think the only reason it's not worse than New Orleans is because there's less criminals to do crime in Stockton because it's a smaller city. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. I'm, I'm going to have to, because, you know, I, I'm, 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 I like to travel. I'm always curious about places. I'm gonna have to stop through just to check it out. Like, what's going yeah. on here? They, uh, you- they do have a big Comic Con that I do there. I sell Comic stuff Con. out there okay. twice a year, and and they get a good turnout. But I hear from at least one or two vendors or artists or guests that get their car broken into overnight while they're on a staying. regular basis. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, no. mm-hmm. uh, okay. So, well, so cheers to Stockton. Well, that Stockton. You go to Stockton one day. You got to do me a favor, and you got to mm-hmm. go down. If you like Mexican food, and who doesn't, you got to go to Arroyos. Arroyos, yeah, it's a Mexican. It's a really good Mexican restaurant. 
That place has been there since my dad was a child, and I've been going there as a fan, like since my, you know, since I was a kid, since he was a kid. I've, that's a family thing. You should go there. It is probably one of the most legacy restaurants you're going to find in okay. Stockton. If you ever okay. go, <laughs> I, I'm, I plan to go. I, I plan to go. Next, next trip I'm to Sac. Yeah, next, next trip to Sac. Yeah. Drive. Yeah. Do a drive to Stockton and, and experience the life there. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so, okay. So I want to talk a little bit about the show I mentioned earlier. Treme, which mm-hmm. you guys are are part of that, you know. So, like, I know you guys appear in some shows. I know they talk to you guys about like consulting the musicians or the people that were mm-hmm. playing the musicians in the show. Like, right. also got to be an honor, right? Yeah. So, so what what was that like? They were like, we want this to be as authentic as possible. We want Rebirth to be a part of it somehow. So they reach out to you. Actually, they, when they when they started putting the show together. Yeah, they created a pilot. So they told us, hey, we want you guys to be a part of the pilot. Like, okay. So we're thinking that means play a couple of tunes for the show while the show is coming on or something like that. We don't really, really, we didn't know what they were talking about. So we get there, the guy said, no, we want you guys to be a part of the show. It was like, what you mean? You want us to play in a scene or something? He said, no, we want you to read parts. Now, we have never done any acting. The only acting we've done is trying to be musicians, to act like musicians. And so <laughs> they give us the lines, right? And I never knew how hard acting was until I actually had to read lines. Because not only do you have to know your lines, you have to know the person that you're talking to lines as well. So you can know when to come in. So I'm studying the lines. And this lady we're working with, she said, look, relax, just like music. Like you're a drummer, you have to know all the parts in the band. Now you have to know all the lines that everyone is saying. So, and it's just what happened. They picked me. I'm like, oh, they're going to pick me? They're like, we want you to read. I'm like, oh, my goodness. So at that point, I'm nervous. I'm shaking. Like, can I do this? You say, you, you can tell you can do it. I know you, you got it in. She gave me the lines. I, I memorized my lines. I memorized the guidelines that I'm talking to. And they say, one, two, three, go. So at that point, she's saying, well, it's just a pilot. No one will see it. I'm okay. No one's going to see me do this, make a fool of myself. So I'm not worried. No one's going to see this. The day Treme comes on, I'm in the very, the very first scene, the first words, that's me. My phone is blowing up. I'm like a movie star. I can't believe it. The first like, scene wow. of the first of the first episode. First scene of the first episode. I'm reading. I'm I'm acting. Oh, we got to play so- a clip of that.
No, I was like, wow. She said, I didn't want to tell you it was going to be in a part of the show because it would have made you nervous. She said, you did a really good job. I, I, I could have been better. She said, you were great. You're not acting. You were great. So people saw it and they were calling me like, hey, man, you know you're on TV? I'm like, TV? What you mean? We playing somewhere? Like, no, you, you're in a movie. I couldn't believe it. And from that point on, I was like a movie star. You're, you're I'm like, wow. Act, r- actor slash musician. Actor slash musician, yeah. So <laughs> Yes. And the funny thing is I have a sister. She's into theater and, and acting. She said, like, you mean to tell me you got a, you got a sad car before me? I'm like, I'm an actor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did you get craft services while you were acting? Did they have um, craft services there for you? Yeah, they did. Yeah, okay, and it was good. It's good. Yeah, I mean, I was surprised. I was surprised by the whole experience, and I mean, I, I did two or three different scenes, reading, and I was like, wow. It was. It was once you get used to it, it's a lot of fun because you can cut, and go back, and fix anything you want. If you forget something, they'll just splice it together. You could. You can't even tell. Like, wow, they did a really good job. And they're professional yeah. Hollywood. So yeah. Yeah. So, so what you're saying is you'll be appearing in another movie uh, again soon, so we can keep a wide. I think I, I had that feeling I'm gonna be in another yeah. movie. I don't know if my wife yeah. is gonna go for that. I'm like a movie? I don't know about that, buddy. So oh, yeah, we, they might call me to... anytime. Like I always tell somebody when they do the biopic of Rebirth, I want Lorenz Tate to play my part. My sister's always yeah. laughing at that. Like, <laughs> man, get out of here. <laughs> well, yeah, we haven't seen Lorenz Tate in something in some, for a long time, right? Right, that yeah. would be a good movie. Like the reboot yeah. movie. I mean, yeah. the 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 characters or whatever will be changed to protect the innocent. <laughs> yes, we're gonna we're gonna put a link to your IMDb in in the show notes to this, Keith, yeah. so people can think, follow uh, you. I there. think we should do that. We should get Tyrese to play you. <laughs> Tyrese, uh, yeah, you know what? Yeah, you know what? Yeah, I see some I see some resemblance there. Tyrese, yes. yeah, that was, yeah, I think yeah. he would do a good job. He's still acting. Make me real right? tough. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. still acting. Yeah. Oh, wow, that's so funny. Yeah, that's yeah. And there was a huge, there was a huge scene in in uh, uh what, I think it was season three, right? Where mm-hmm. they they, you, they reenact when some of you guys in the band got arrested for for playing a, a second line for for someone who passed away, and that, that's actually, a true the story. Person who passed, that's that's my brother Kerwin James who had passed away, and so Ooh. when someone like a musician passed away, we kind of parade around the neighborhood to pay you know tribute to that person. And Derek Tab was the snare drum in our band at the time. As we were marching up to finish off the the, the march, the police roll up and they arrest him. He's like, sure, they're arresting me. I'm like, you're getting arrested? He got arrested. That was the actual real story. And he was like, man, I can't believe they're arresting me. I'm like, I can't believe they're arresting you either. And so they kind of put that in for me. Yeah. And we was wow. like, wow, they're going to put this in there. You know, that to get the okay from my mom and everything. But it was a true story. And like, you really arrested them for playing for your brother? Like, yeah. Yeah. It's just another reason why maybe, you know, hey, I don't need to move back there. You know, there's just. Exactly. We, you so know, there's a lot of it, stuff that happens. And, there's, it, it, there's a lot of amazing things about New Orleans, obviously. But, you know, I don't think it's a secret to anyone that the NOPD is not as straight edge. Up and up. Yeah. No, not at all. <laughs> right. Yeah. Are you familiar or have you heard of this book? I've been reading it. I've, I've had it for years and I've just started reading it. Unfathomable City. It's like, it's like an atlas book. It's a book of, they make these maps and atlases of New Orleans, and, but there's also lots of history in it. And you guys are, Rebirth's mentioned in it a couple of times. Never heard of it. And we're mentioning yeah. it. I hope in a good yeah. way. Oh yeah. So, so one of the times they say, 
it's just like a casual throw in a, in a paragraph about how with rebirth, the original band members move on and new ones come in, but, but the, but the spirit plays on a rebirth indeed, which I thought was a, a really nice way of, of, of putting that. But then they also said, we all remember what rebirth did on Tuesday nights. They don't say the maple leaf. They just say, we all remember what rebirth did on Tuesday nights. Yeah. I'll, I'll send you a, something so you can see the book. What it, okay. Yeah, what it check it out. Yeah. But it's just a nice shout out. And so the reason I'm mentioning this also, the Tuesday night thing, you guys play on Tuesday nights, which is also Mardi Gras, which is right around the corner. And we, so is Mardi Gras uh, being on Tuesday, Fat Tuesday, a big deal for you guys? Or is it just like another, another um, day? For us, it's a big deal in that when people come to see us on Tuesday night, we tell people, listen, Mardi Gras may be over, but the party continues. And like, what you mean? And like, that's just one part of it. And we, we bring them right into Jazz Fest from that point. Like, now it's time for Jazz Fest. Get ready. I'm like, what? Like, and you might go home and like, oh, Mardi Gras is over. But not for us. Every day is Mardi Gras in New Orleans. And no matter where you, if you're from New Orleans, you take your Mardi Gras with you. Wherever you at, mm-hmm. every Tuesday is Mardi Gras. Mm-hmm. You're like, yeah, I yeah. You know, in New Orleans, we drink every day. Ain't no, I'm going to drink on, on a weekend. No, we drink every day. We party yeah. every day. You just take that it with happens. you. That happens. Yeah. We, we, so we, Uncle Dad and I, there's a, there's a comic convention in, in New Orleans every, that first weekend of January called Fan Expo. And we go there for the convention and cover it and for the podcast. And it is, it is the most fun and also the most difficult because we're in New Orleans, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you have to really, you have to really have a lot of discipline. <laughs> it's hard. There's a lot um, of partying going on. People don't stop partying. But you know, it, it's it, like you said, it's a, it's a lifestyle of New Orleans. Like one season just rolls to the next season, the next season. you know, exactly. into the next, into the next. And you know, I don't have to tell you. I mean, I think that's part of why jazz from from New Orleans sounds the way it sounds, right? Different than than anywhere else. Anywhere else. Uh, yeah. You know, it's so loose and fun, and it swings, and it. You know, I I see bands. <clears throat> I saw this band. I think they call Lowdown Brass Band. They're from Chicago. I saw them mm-hmm. in in San Francisco, and they covered one of your guys' songs. And I talked to them afterwards. And but it was interesting to see someone play a Rebirth song so syncopated and tight where you guys play it so loose and wild and fun. Just, right. you know, it's a reflection of where you're from, right? That's, that's it. I mean, New Orleans is very loose and wild. There's not, nothing tight about it. Yeah. So <laughs> you grow up that way. You like everything that's wrong is actually right. Yeah. So you, the, the lines are blurred. You like people doing stuff wrong and they know it's wrong. They do it anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of. So will you be playing at the rabbit hole on uh Mardi Gras night? I don't think I'll be there this Mardi Gras night because I'm actually uh, in the process of, we have a big tour coming up uh, starting on the 17th of February. So I'm trying to get ready for that. And we got to go to Austin, Texas, February 10th. And so I'm like, okay, I'll let the other guys take care of that. I'm not a big Mardi Gras person, actually. I'm like, okay. After mm-hmm. you do it so many times, you're like, okay, one more Mardi Gras. My wife hasn't seen it. I want her to see it. But for me, it's just another party. Like, it's another party. Yeah, there's lots of parties. Yeah, you know, when we had, we had, uh, we talked to Vincent, he kind of hung out with us when we were there for Fan Expo and uh, mm-hmm. we did a little segment with him and he said the same thing as you. He's like, I've seen enough parades. I don't care about a parade anymore. And, you know, it's just whatever yeah. for me. But then we talked to Eric, Eric Gordon, and he's 
so into it, right? And he does the Mardi Gras Indian thing. And, Indians, exactly. And we went into a lot of conversation with him about that. And, and uh, so it's just interesting to see you guys all have different perspectives on it. You know, for me, mm-hmm. I grew up in, uh, mostly in Lafayette and, you know, there's mm-hmm. a, there's a different kind of Mardi Gras there, but it's still Mardi Gras, you know? Right. And so I love coming back and experiencing Being it. It's so nostalgic it. and it's fun. You know? Yeah. So it's, it's a lot. Of, it can be a lot of fun, you know. And I always tell people, like, you know, my perspective is different because I, I grew up in it. But you know, I was the first time you see it, people just blown like, "Wow!" Because it's you know, it's it's do what you want. It's anything goes. It's a lot of nakedness, a lot of drinking <laughs> as long as you can last. People are like, "What? I drink all day?" Like until you pass out. Yeah. And it goes all night and it doesn't, there's no like stopping. The party doesn't stop. There's no like two o'clock. The the bar is over. There's no two o'clock cutoff. It's like two o'clock. People just getting started. Like, man, they're just getting revved up. By four o'clock in the morning, they, and And there's, and there's, then there's, there's like the, the, the Bourbon Street kind of tourist Mardi Gras, but then there's the actual (laughs) New Orleans Mardi Gras. Now, that would I tell people, like, now if you want to do the Bourbon Street Mardi Gras, that's a whole different, another animal. Like, Cause that's a, I don't even, I'm like, what the hell are they doing down there? I mean, people mm-hmm. jumping on balconies and they're like, whoa, wow. Yeah. I don't know. You can't even walk. You, can't you even, do walk. Yeah, right. And some of the people, you can't even walk. You're like, why would you want to walk through a sea of people you can't get through? It takes you yeah. almost two hours to go from one end to the other end. People just yeah. drinking, Korea, like, nah, I don't do it. And you'll probably step in some throw up. Um, some you, other you'll human. probably step in some regurgitation along the way. Yeah. Maybe some other human. Someone's laying on the ground, yeah. just just naked. Like, why is a man on the ground naked, dressed like a woman? Like, can't explain it to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, to each their own, right? That's it. Well, I'm ex- I'm stoked. So tell me, tell me as we start to, to wrap up here, tell me a bit about mm-hmm. the tour. Like, where are you guys going to be stopping? And yeah. this tour coming up, we start off in Tampa, then we go to Baltimore, then we're in New York City, we go to Northampton and Hampton Beach. We're kind of all, it's all on the East Coast pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be pretty, it's going to be pretty big. And, you know, a week for us is big. Like, a week, like, yeah, normally we two or three days and we back. But a week is like, it's like a year. It's, we can get a lot done in one week. So, yeah. Yeah. And people in the Northeast, they're looking forward to it. Like, yeah, man, we'll see you guys. Like, okay. Yeah. Oh, it's a treat. I, I, do you, do you feel, how do you feel about when other bands cover you guys? Is that like a, an honor you, you like appreciate it it's, it's an honor. i love it like you want a couple rebirth go right in yeah because you know yeah. there's always ways to make money from a band covering your stuff because if they're playing at the venue that's part of ASCAP or bmi they actually have to pay for it so we get the money on the back end so i'm like yeah by all means do cover rebirth stuff go right in mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah it. one of my favorite uh rock bands is the chili peppers <clears throat> and i know you guys okay. share a stage and there's this really mm-hmm. cool quote that flea that's out there from Flea, who's you know, yeah. arguably one of the greatest bass players of all time. I just saw a Rebirth Brass Band, unbelievable, hard as hell, free as a ray of light. There is not a band on earth that is better, stunning. Like, yeah, right. I mean, that's that's also got to be an honor, right? Like you know, Chili it was, Peppers. It was, are it was, pretty it was huge, huge honor. And then we went on tour with them, and the, the way and he he's he was actually hanging out with one of the Neville guys, and he was bringing it to Giacomo's in New Orleans. And we were playing Tuesday night. And he said, man, who's that? And Ivan Neville said, well, that's Rayburg. He said, I know those guys. He said, you know those guys? So he goes, Ivan Neville's real tight with Phil. Philip knows everybody. So he goes in, hey, Phil, 
this is Sweet from uh, Red Chili Peppers. Okay, what else? He's like, you want to check you guys out? So he's checking us out, having, having some wine and talking. He said, man, what you guys think about coming on tour with us? We're thinking, you know, like, man, he's bullshitting around. We ain't going to tour with it. A month later, we the call, like, hey, you guys hit it out with the Chili Peppers. He's like, what? So we go out on tour with the Chili Peppers. And that, that was an honor. It was like playing the White House because they're playing in stadiums, 30, yeah. 40, 50,000 people. And the one song, it's called Under the Bridge, one of my yeah. favorite Chili Pepper songs. I say, I saw a tell Flea, I said, Flea, that's one of my favorite songs. He said, man, I want you to do something for me. He said, when that note comes, you know, there's a note that he plays at the end. Boom. He said, I want you to hit this key, hit this string right here. So I go up on stage, and he said, when I tell you, hit it, hit it. I hit it. And the people go crazy. I'm like, wow. I felt like a rock star. Movie Whoa. star, rock star, all kind of stars. So. Jazz, brass band star, look at you. That's a great story. When, we when ended you, up playing Flea's wedding. No, no kidding! Wow, <laughs> what an honor! Like, so, what what year was that when you guys were uh, on tour with them? That had to be two thousand eleven or twelve, something oh. like something like that. So and fun! It was a it was a big tour. I mean, I mean, they're playing and it's just packed. There were people jumping out the rafters trying to get on stage with them and. We're just like, damn, man, this this is real rock and roll right here. And we're in yeah. two vans. They're in like two big buses. We just rented two vans and drove all over the country. That's so funny. was like, man, you guys do it hardcore. Like, dude, why not? Just, just all it takes for us. So yeah. it was a lot of fun. And uh, Flea is a lifetime friend. And he's always calling, checking, like, hey, what you guys into? Like, just out on the road. He's like, okay, keep up the good work, man. I'm going to have to help you get my Chili Peppers poster signed. Definitely, <laughs> I might ask man. for a favor. <laughs> no problem. No problem at all. Oh. All right. Real quick. Favorite venue to play in in New Orleans? Like top. What's your top one? You named off a few. My top one would probably be tips, tippy teams. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, favorite venue to watch another band play in New Orleans? Like if you were to just go watch. Just go watch? I like House of Blues. House of Blues. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. What about, what's the favorite venue you've ever played in, period? Like, was it one of these huge stadiums with the Chili Peppers, or is it like a smaller venue like in New York? Or like, you talking about in the world? Just in the world, yeah. You know what I like? And this was in 1986. We played a bummer shoot in Seattle, Washington. And I, it was outdoors. It's kind of like an amphitheater. They have, and we recently went back to bummer shoot uh, in August. And for some reason, Seattle has really good, good sound. And it just sounds so good. And I guess they put a lot of money into the sound equipment. I like I like playing Seattle, period. So oh, okay. Bumbershoot. Next time we're in Seattle, Uncle Dad, we'll have to go to the Bumbershoot for a show. Yeah, check it out. We'll yeah. definitely do it for sure. Definitely. Yeah. All right. Last mm-hmm. one and the most important one. What's your favorite place mm-hmm. to watch a Saints game? Uh on TV. On t- <laughs> the crazy thing is, I'm not a big Saints fan, you know. Uh, I'm a Cowboys fan, but I still want the home team to win. And when they lose, I'm giving everybody shit. Like, uh, y'all lost another one. And when they lose, no one calls me. They Mm-mm. refuse. My phone is like Silence of the Lambs. And I was How does that happen? Like, well, when I was a kid, this lady was watching us, and it was 1972, and the Cowboys won the Super Bowl. Mm. And, you know, at the time, they're kicking ass, beating everybody. And I, I saw that team. I'm like, okay, that'll be my team. Then when I, in 1970, that same year, 1972, it snowed in New Orleans. But that Christmas, my, my mom brought my brother Phil a Saints uniform with the helmet, and she didn't give mm-hmm. me one. So I said, "Well, that's not my team. I'll just pick another team." And that's pretty yeah. much what happened. That's and all the team takes. that was always on TV was the Cowboys. And so, I, but and I always tell people like, 
I prefer to see him win because when they lose, everyone is like in the dumps. I was like, you, you just don't want to like, oh man, just let him win something, please. Just and my dad was a, my dad went to the very first Saints game in Tulane Stadium. He actually saw the Dempsey guy kick the sixty-three yarder. Oh so yeah. When when the Saints won the Super Bowl, I felt good for him. I'm like, you know what? All that money he put into the Saints, damn! I wish he was here to see the payoff. Yeah, I know my stepdad's a a huge Bills fan, and he's from oh, Buffalo. That must be, be different. Like, Get this guy a Super Bowl before he croaks. Croaks again. Yeah, <laughs> uh, certain teams you just you just want to see like the Bills, Detroit. You just want to cleave. He's like, man, could somebody please let them have a Super Bowl just one yeah. time? Do the Forty ers mm-hmm. need another Super Bowl? All right, that's my all tip right. the Cowboys. They actually don't need another Super Bowl, like, but the 49ers don't either. Like, they don't need all right, like, everybody Uncle, calm down. Uncle Dad, Uncle Dad, like, Uncle Dad likes the 49ers. 49ers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I like to see the Cowboys play the 49ers all the time because win or lose, it just makes every, everybody hate the Cowboys so much. It's just fun. Like, I love to be yeah. hated. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. That last time we played you, I'll just tell you, that wasn't so good. <laughs> It, it, but didn't it feel good to like beat the Cowboys down? Of course, it, yeah. feels good to be, it's, it yeah. feels good to be a villain. Sometimes I'm gonna be the villain. Yeah, I'll be the villain. <laughs> yeah, it does yeah. Well, well, Keith, it's an honor, man, and, and thank you for coming on and oh, yeah, talking anytime. to me about all that stuff. You know, like I love you guys and and what you do and and how you make people feel. It's always an honor to see you guys jam with the show. Yeah. It was an honor to to design and, and do a hat with you guys. Like we did a, a bar. We need bridge. more. We need more hats. They, they sell so fast. We need more. Oh, okay. All right. So I have to call we'll, Mike and some more hats. Yeah. Okay. We'll put it down. Thanks for the hat. Oh, and yeah, and you know, and I just I respect I respect what you guys do. I respect the culture. I respect the music. And thank you. For where sharing. can people find you guys? Rebirthbrassband.com. Rebirthbrassband Rebirth on Instagram. You just just Google Rebirth Brass Band. And all shows will pretty much come up. Mm-hmm. They can call me. They can text me. My my number's twenty four seven. If I don't get back to you, I won't. I tell people I will answer you. Like you had, actually call back. Like yeah, why not? Yeah. So okay. All right. We'll put your phone number out on the listen notes and everything. Put the phone number. Put the phone number. Yeah. <laughs> put it out. All right, man. Well, uh, I hope to see you soon at a show, and uh, it's yeah. been an honor. And thank Thanks, you again. And, all right. Uh, thank you. I appreciate it, man. Same to you guys. Hold on. Before we go, Mike, you got to wrap it up the right way. How do we wrap up the oh, show? Yeah, here we that's go. That's right. <laughs> we are not uncles. We are not dads. But we're someone that you can talk to. And we'll see you all next week. Bye.